0: cracking readings this morning and it was uh, um, difficult to know in some ways where to focus myself this morning. (coughs) I'm going to focus myself, despite what we've just sung, more on the Romans reading and I'll read out a little bit of it again because Paul is kind of getting into the heart of, well the whole book of Romans and it's quite a meaty book isn't it? is really about this whole idea of justification by works or is it justification by faith? And um, we get to the heart of it here. He says, Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. The implication being that nobody will be justified by the law. But the righteousness that is by faith says, and I don't understand this next bit, but I'll read it anyway. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up. But what does it say? The word is near you, it's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that you are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. I'll come back to that. I want to start with a, a, a kind of an anecdote, uh, a memory, <clears throat> and some of you will have heard me talk about this before, and I think you might have even read a poem that I've written about it. When um, <clears throat> when I was much younger, it must have been about six or seven, um and no, I'll go back before then. In the nineteen fifties, uh, you could get like uh, comic book versions of famous books, couldn't you? <laughs> nobody. Anyone as old as me? Yes, of course you are. Um, <clears throat> and I can remember my sisters, my elder sisters, had these comic book versions of Jane Eyre and Lorna Doone and things. But there was also a comic book version of the of the story of Jesus. And the very last. <clears throat> Page, I, I loved this book, even though we weren't really brought up in any explicitly Christian way. I thought this is a really interesting book, this story of Jesus, through in comic book form. Sort of like a precursor of the graphic novel, really, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> and uh, the last, uh, what do they call it, last whatever, cartoon bit, was the picture of Jesus ascending to heaven. And I suppose I don't know whether this was because you know this was the days of Yuri Gagarin and uh, you know people going to into space. But I thought this was so exciting. So I looked at this picture of Jesus ascending to heaven. I thought, I'm going to try that. So I, I took the book out into the garden. Didn't have much of a garden really. It was just a bit, small square of grass. And uh, <clears throat> I practiced. And I just kept looking at the picture all the time, thinking, okay, so the angle of the elbows so is a bit like that, and it, you've got to splay your fingers out a bit like that, and you've got to maybe lift up. So I was trying various ways, looking at the, the book and thinking, am I going right now? Am I going right? Am I standing in the right place? <coughs> I didn't <descend. laughs> Um <coughs> And, uh, for lots of reasons, I think. But, <laughs> I suppose... One thing, one very childlike thing I was doing, was very much focusing on the the details, the outward things, wasn't I? Um, I say that because when it comes to the story of Jesus walking on the water, I do wonder if there was an element of that in, in Peter and the others as they looked at Jesus coming towards them. Whether some of them thought, "How did he do that? You know, that's amazing." Uh, How cool is that? Uh, Peter particularly, you know, impetuous. I want to do that. I want to have a go at that. Um, I'm sure he wasn't as, you know, six-year-old childlike as me and going, is it the way he puts his feet? No. But you can see what's happening there. His focus is very much on the sort of outward uh, excitement, the spectacle of walking on water. And he wants to go, doesn't he? And Jesus does give him a go, in fact. Um, But I wonder if his, uh, again, his focus and maybe the other disciples at that moment is just on the wrong thing. It's a little bit like what uh, Darren was talking about last week with the transfiguration, isn't it? Do you remember when they saw the, when the disciples who were with Jesus saw the transfiguration, saw Jesus kind of lit up in this amazing way with Moses and with Elijah what did they focus on? whoa! first of all let's stay in this experience let's hold on to this but also you know they kind of thought let's let's build some tabernacles here just because they kind of lost sight of the fact that it was all about Jesus you know they wanted to build three tabernacles you know they're all lit up and uh, what does Jesus berate the disciples for in this, this story, of walking on the water? He says, it's your, your lack of faith. Now, it's a, puzzle, it's a puzzling story in some ways, because does he mean, you know, if you had more faith, we could all walk on the water all the time. I'm not sure that's really what he meant. I'm thinking, really, that he's saying, you know, your faith should be in me. Not your faith, not your faith in your ability to walk on water. Your faith in me as the one who's called you towards me. Remember, he said to Peter, Come. And Peter walked towards him at that point, but then started to look down and then lost sight of Jesus. The focus is on faith in Christ, isn't it? Not on the outward things. Not on the. the clever tricks, the things you can do. Something similar, not, not exactly the same, but something similar is going on in the life of Elijah. And that's another interesting story we, we get got a glimpse of today, isn't it? <clears throat> now, Elijah had had, <clears throat> well recently, before the bit that we read today starts, he'd had this amazing encounter on top of Mount Carmel where God had given him faith to call down God's power, really, or to see God's power. Um, and there was this kind of showdown with the prophets of Baal, wasn't it? Which proved that God was the most powerful uh, and omnipotent God. But after that, it was a real come down for him, wasn't it? He, felt he was threatened, he ran away. Uh, <clears throat> he felt he was under threat from Ahab, He ran into the wilderness, he became suicidal and that's where we caught him today, wasn't it? He wants to hear, he wants to see God's spectacles again. He wants to, it's not God's glasses, the the spectacular things that God can do. His focus is on the big, is on the outward things again, isn't it? And that's why I think we got that marvellous bit about, let me, let me read it out again, and Rob read it beautifully for us um, <clears throat> if I can find it 1 Kings 19 wasn't it bear with me yeah, so he um The Lord told him to go and stand on the mountain and the presence of the Lord is going to pass by. I wonder if he expected something as spectacular as happened on Mount Carmel. So there was, oh, this powerful wind that, that tore mountains apart and shattered rocks. But the Lord wasn't in it, we're told. It was just a spectacle. And then there was an earthquake. Surely God's in that one. Nope, not in that either. And then there was a fire. And of course he's seen God bringing fire before. Surely God's in this one. This spectacle. No, that's not God either. Where's he then? And then there's what we who were brought up on the authorised version will know as the still small voice. Or as it says in the NIV, a gentle whisper. God is in that. The gentle whisper. You see the point? It wasn't in the big things, it wasn't in the, the spectacles, it wasn't on the outward expectations that God was in something hidden. The story goes on in fact you know, even, in the, even after that, Elijah is still self-pitying, isn't he? He's still saying, oh it's just me God, I've been so good and it's only me who worships you and God has to say to him, well actually no, I've got 7,000 other people that you don't even know about, who haven't bowed the knee to Baal. (laughs) In other words, you don't see the big picture. You need to trust in me, and I have the big picture. You don't. Shall we come back then to Romans? (laughs) As I said, the whole book of Romans is, is leading to this affirmation, this confirmation that Paul is saying, look, this is the gospel, that none of us are good enough by the things that we do, by the laws that we keep. None of us will be justified by doing stuff and observing stuff. How will we be justified? Simply by faith in Jesus Christ Um, I'll read it again if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from dead you will be saved for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified The, the word saved is not something we use too often I suppose if you were brought up in kind of uh, evangelical nonconformity, you would have used it a lot more to talk about conversion. It's not the only word to do with conversion, is it? We can talk about being in Christ. We can talk about being converted. We can talk about being born again. But saved is another word to remind us that in Christ there is security and salvation. And, but it's only in him. Now when Paul is talking about, you know, you can't be justified by keeping the laws then, he's talking about the Jewish laws, isn't he? And the complex series of rituals and sacrifices and so on. However useful those were, and they were useful, of course otherwise God wouldn't have instituted them. However useful they were in pointing beyond themselves to the greater sacrifice that was to come however useful they were in reminding us of what God's requirements are and about his hatred of sin. Just by observing those things, what one didn't become justified. The, the stream is there right throughout scripture. Believe, faith, belief. <clears throat> and I wonder if they obviously... He's reminding them, don't look at the outward things and think that in them you have your confidence. Is it true for us today who call ourselves Christians? It can be, can't it? That we can focus on outward things and think that in them we have our salvation and security. In those things we come somehow please God. You know, we it's the first Lie stroke half-truth. We were ever told about Christianity when we were kids, wasn't it? Be good and you go to heaven. Um, You can understand why I mean. It's a lie stroke half-truth, can't you? Um, Because it's only in Christ that we can know our path to heaven. So, are we still, perhaps, is it still possible that we might miss the point And focus on outward things as our salvation and our security. Well we need to guard against that, don't we? So make sure that we are not thinking, for instance, well I attend church every week, not everybody does, so you know God must be pleased with that. (laughs) Or we might say, look I read my Bible every day and uh, there's got to be efficacy in that, you know, that God really must be pleased with me. For that one. Nobody could be a, a more vociferous, is that the wrong word? Um, enthusiastic. Uh, <laughs> enthusiastic, enthusiast for the communion service than me. I love the fact that we can have, you know, help, whatever your churchmanship is, as Stuart reminded us recently, you know, whether you consider it more than just a, a symbol, more than just a remembrance service, whether you call it Holy Communion, whether you call it Eucharist, whether you call it the Lord's Supper, whether you call it the breaking of bread. The opportunity to share together in the Communion service is fantastic means of grace. And uh, I would encourage people to come on Thursday morning. Um, but is that winning for us? Salvation? The fact that we can do it more often than other people? Of course not. Is, is, it, is our confidence in that communion service? Our confidence is in Christ. And we remember him in that service. You see what I'm saying? That all of these, the means of grace, reading the Bible, t- taking the Lord's Supper, uh, prayer even, those are the outward things that, that God gives us to help us grow in our faith and help us to know his his presence among us but they're not our salvation our salvation comes from our faith in Jesus Christ as our sacrifice for sin at the risk of being excommunicated from the Anglican communion from the church in Wales I will say the same thing about baptism and confirmation that unless it's an outward sign of an inward faith in Christ it has little value shoot me now (laughs) (laughs) but baptism is an outward sign of what must be a real saving faith inside an individual now I know when we talk about this and we talk about faith as opposed to works. It gets abused, doesn't it? And we hear, you know, it's easy to say just over in North American evangelicalism, I don't know. I don't think it's just there, but we do see it abused. So people say, well, I believed in Jesus, so I'm saved. And I can do what I like now. And I think uh, this is why Paul makes it a sort of a double thing here. He says not just believing in your heart but um, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, now I believe he means a lot more than just saying the words that confession with your mouth I think is in the way you live and especially remembering what it meant to, in, under Roman occupation to, to confess publicly that actually Caesar is not Lord but Jesus is Lord You know, and living and living that out in your life, and I think that's important for us to remember that simply saying we believe, oh yeah, I believe, I've believed in Jesus, you know, I've accepted him into my life, and so on, it's not enough. You know, it's not enough in the sense that we need to check that that is real, and that's why the the whole book of James is about that, isn't it? He's saying, you know. Faith without works isn't a real faith at all. It's dead, you know. If there's a real faith within you, it will express itself in a Christ like life. Or in in a life that gears itself to living as Christ wants. That will take on these means of grace we're talking about, you know. Bible reading and prayer and fellowship and the Lord's Supper and So on, that these things become meaningful then because of the inward faith that we have. And, Amen.